Amen. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Happy Mother's Day. And um, so I had a, uh, I had a, as I was praying about this service, had it a week or so ago, I just saw the chair set up a little bit differently and a little bit more uh, together as one body. And uh, so that's why the chairs are set up this way. And I uh, also just saw uh, me not necessarily standing, but just talking like we're family this morning, and thus the chair. And so uh, Barrett sent out a message yesterday. I was telling her, does anybody have a swivel chair? And uh, just so happens, one came available and was just right, right on time. So that seems like God. If I, I'm, I'm very much hands and walking person. So if I stay in the chair, that's going to be a miracle. And y'all can say that you've witnessed one uh, today if that happens. And uh, we're just going to be close. So uh, as, we, uh, as we go today, um, well, thank you. That's awesome. Check that out. So we'll see. Uh, man, if I stay in this chair, that is going to be some kind of impressive, I'm telling you. So we've been talking about... Um, We've been talking about what is the church, but before we get into that, I do want to draw your attention to a couple of things. On your handout, you see where it says uh, that there's, uh, we're, we need somebody that can do graphic design. So I'm looking for somebody that has uh, some ideas about uh, maybe some Adobe Photoshop, uh, Adobe Illustrator, stuff like that. Uh, there's another program called uh, GIMP, and um, do what? Yeah, okay, and uh, so we need somebody that knows how to do that, so if you feel like you're led to do that, we'll need uh, you know somebody that's committed to it, uh, but we're looking for that, and uh, that's just a volunteer need that we wanted to tell you, and then each week, uh, we actually pray for another body of Christ, uh, the body of Christ, uh, you realize that this is a body of Christ, but we're not the only one, we're, we're not the only body of Christ, uh, we are a part of the body of Christ. And uh, as a part of the body of Christ, uh, we recognize that, all right, if we're a, if we're a finger, finger, there's a pinky, and there's a toe, and there's, there's a hand, and there's an elbow. And those things are very important to our whole uh, fellowship and relationship. So we want to make sure that we lift them up as well. And so this morning, we have another body of Christ that's just a couple blocks away called The Gathering. Uh, with Pastor Paul and Wendy Jenkins, and they are good friends as well. And so will you agree with me, and let's just pray for them today, okay? Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for uh, Pastor Paul and Wendy. Lord, we thank you for the gathering. We thank you that they are a part of our body, that they are a part of us, and we are a part of them and Lord, in Jesus' name, we just agree together and we just lift them up and we praise you for them. Lord, let your blood, the blood of Jesus, be a salvation and a protection to them, Lord. Lord, we just ask that they would have wisdom going forward, that they would have exactly what they need and what they want. And Lord, in you, that they would have exactly what they need and what they want in you, Lord. Let your will be done in the gathering and in Pastor Paul and Wendy. And Lord, we just thank you for your uh, protection and your blessing over them in every way. Lord, let people be drawn to the gathering. Let that body grow. Let it strengthen, Lord. Let them have uh, the, the pieces that they need as far as people that have gifts and abilities and talents. 
Let those immediate needs, Lord, where there's vacancies, let them be filled. And Father, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, you can uh, turn, uh, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 18. I'm just going to do a quick review. Uh, we're going to, at the end, we're going to honor the moms, and uh, we just are so happy that you get to join us today if you're visiting for Mother's Day, and uh, we just praise God for you, and I'm already feeling itchy sitting in this chair, so, <laughs> but I like it, it's really nice, so, do you feel like it's more of a group this morning? Yeah, and that's the whole point. We're talking about church, uh, the series is called Cloudy with a Chance of Loaves and Fishes, and the, and the point is, in this, is when Jesus prayed over uh, the loaves and fishes and he fed the 5,000 and then a chapter later in Matthew he fed the 4,000, well, a lot of people think that all the power happened in Jesus' hands. But if you look at it and look at context of Scripture, the power and the miracle actually happened when the disciples used what Jesus gave them and put in their hands and when they actually put it to work. So the miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. Well, it happened in the hands of the church, right? So here's the thing, a lot of times we go around and we think that the miracle can only happen through the pastor or the miracle can only happen through the, the called person of God. And you're the called person of God. You are. And so a lot of what we want to do, there is a difference between a pastor, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher and other folks. There's a difference there. There is a difference. But there's not a hierarchy. We are in the body. We just have different roles. And a part of even the way we're seating differently is to highlight that. You are very special in the body of Christ. Every single one of you. If you're a Christian, you are very special to God. And God has something that he wants you to do, just like he has something that he wants me to do. And a lot of times what's happened in the past is somebody in this position, maybe sitting or standing up front, says, I'm going to do everything. If you have any needs, you always come to me because I'm your salvation. You know, that's not the way that Jesus designed it. Jesus came in and he basically turned on the church so that the church could multiply who he was. He came into the world as the true light, to be the light, so that he could light the flames of everyone that he came in touch with their heart. And all of a sudden now, you should have flames of a body of believers, the church all over the world, being the light, shining like there's no tomorrow. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. So that's what this series is about, cloudy with a chance of loaves and fishes. So, in other words, the whole point was, if you go back there and look at that story, if you think that everything happened in Jesus' hands, it would have just, as soon as he prayed, Lord bless it, it would have been like, and there'd have been a big pile of lunch of loaves and fishes all over him, you know. And and Jesus, they, the disciples wouldn't have been passing out food; they'd been digging him out from underneath fifteen thousand meals, you know, because it was five thousand men. But you also had women and children there that weren't in that count. So there was approximately a good average that most people agree on was there was fifteen thousand people there that day. And 12,000 the next, the next chapter. Well, that would have been a whole bunch of meals on top of Jesus had it all happened in his hands, but it didn't. 
And so, as we go into it, it's very important. Have you ever noticed, uh, you ever uh, not known something? You remember as a baby, uh, I'm sure you remember when you were a baby. Yeah. Have you ever seen a baby? That's good, let's go that way. Have you ever seen a baby and they just didn't know what they didn't know? And if you weren't there to help them, then guess what would happen? They'd be in all sorts of trouble. I mean, Luke tries to do all kinds of stuff. I'm like, oh, no, stop. You know, he's, he's almost two. He'll be two this week. I didn't put him on the handouts. Oops. So he's a part of us too. But uh, anyway, he'll be two. But like the other day, he's, you know, he just wants to reach up on the stove while it's on and just grab stuff. Why? Because he doesn't know. And the word says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. He says, my people are gone in captivity for a lack of understanding. So here's the thing. Do you realize that there's a lot of times that we right now have been destroyed because there's things we don't know. And there's things about the church and about the body that we don't know. And in Ephesians, God has made Jesus and the church one. And so if you want to learn about Jesus, one of the main factors you need to know about, you need to know about the church. You need to know about the body. And so that's what the series has been about. Here's a few of the things that we've talked about so far, and today's the last day. Uh, the power of God is released when you use what's in your hands. The power of God is released in the hands of the body. You are the body of Christ, which means you are the body of his anointing, or the body of his power. In other words, uh, when Jesus called you the body of Christ, he did more than just call you something. He proclaimed your nature, and that nature is a powerful, anointed uh, group of people through Jesus. Not just a part of Jesus, you are powerful and anointed through him. Okay, So the church is the authority of Christ on the earth. Remember, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The group is uh, the church is a group of ambassadors from heaven. Uh, you are not you are in this world, but not of this world, and you are sent to rule and to reign. Uh, but we really haven't been doing that very well because we haven't known to do it. Well, we're we're learning it now, and now things are happening in a different way. The church is ecclesia, and ecclesia is a Greek word which means a governing body of heavenly citizens over their area in the earth. That's what it means. The, all these things are in the word, but I would say that the majority of us have never heard teaching on this, and this is why a lot of times we haven't been doing what we're supposed to do. And then last week we talked about that the church is a lifeline. Okay, It is a lifeline. Now, it's not the lifeline, it's a lifeline. Okay, The lifeline is Jesus, but Jesus set it up so that the church would be a lifeline between him and you. It's a part of it. Now, you have your own fellowship directly with him, but you also have, it's kind of like if your fellowship with God was broken up into different segments, there's a piece that's just you, but there's a whole other huge piece that comes simply through the church. It's a lifeline. So, today what we're looking at is two different things. What does the church look like? And this is very exciting because when you start to uh, get the realization of what the church looks like, it, it's totally different. And then also, how does the church function? So let's just dive right into this. Here's the first thing. I want to look first at 
uh, when we gather together, I want to look, look at two things. Number one, what is the church like when we gather together? And number two, what does a service look like? In other words, when we come together today, what's this thing supposed to look like? Number two, the, the first part that I want to look at, though, is what are we bringing when we come and gather? Okay, what's on, what's on, What should be on your mind? What should be on your heart when you come and gather together? What should you know? Hey, this is about to happen. Because it's very important for you to know what's about to happen and what I bring and how this thing's supposed to function. So number one, what are the main ingredients for a church gathering? And the first point is this. A church gathering is designed for believers. Okay? It's not designed for unbelievers. Now, and, and I, want, I want to share something. I made a statement last week, and I'll make it again this week, is that a church is a training and discipleship center, not a salvation center only. And here's, here's kind of how we get there. Uh, let, me, let me go through this list, and we'll come back and look at each one quickly. It's designed for believers. What, a, what are the main ingredients for a church gathering? Designed for believers. Uh, all placed members of that body should come. All come with thanksgiving and praise. Now, I'm talking about you when I say all. Like, y'all get that? Okay. All come with helping others on their mind. All come to be trained and equipped for ministry. All come intent on unity in Christ. So it's believers... And all of the people that God has placed in that body should come. They all come with thanksgiving and praise. They, and they all come with helping others on their mind. They all come to be trained and equipped for ministry. And they all come intent on unity. Now see, let, let me just have, did y'all, I, I mean y'all are really smart, so did y'all know all these things? All of them? And like you, every time you walked in the building you thought about those? Me either. Me either. But if you go in Scripture, these things are present in successful church services. And so what happens is, we don't know about this stuff, so we come in the door and we're like, oh, please God, I need a blessing. Help me, Jesus, right? And so we come in and all of a sudden, you know, we're completely off track. Now, when you come in, is Jesus going to help you? Oh yeah, he's going to meet you here. But let me put it like this, if we're not getting biblical, if we're not getting in God's will, we're not going to be able to receive everything that God has for us. So if we're going to get biblical on this thing, that sounds funny, doesn't it? If we're going to go and get biblical on this, then we've got to know what biblical is. And we've got to bring it in the door. So let's look at each one. Number one, that's designed for believers. Now, now watch this, and I want you to catch this and just think about church history. What, anybody ever heard of the Great Commission? Right? Go and make disciples, right? So here's what's happened. Over the period of time, go and make disciples has been, I'm going to show up and maybe my pastor will make disciples for me, and I'm going to invite people to him. And the going stopped. And so the natural progression is the only place where going and making disciples happened was when unbelievers came into this house. And so all of a sudden it got, 
it got turned into something that was not the plan of God, and all of a sudden now it became something that goes, come in here, we're going to put on a show and try to sell you and convince you into why you need Jesus. Now, it's not wrong and not ungodly to, to not love on believers. It absolutely is to, lo- to not love on unbelievers. It absolutely is. Matter of fact, when people come in here, one of the testimonies I hear the most is if somebody's new, they'll say, man, Boomerang will love on you. you know, I hear that all the time, which I'm like, praise God. What a great testimony. Uh, man, those people will love on you. Amen. That just makes my heart just jump. And that's great. But if our focus as a church is simply to win unbelievers in here, that's not actually biblical. Because that means we're not going. That means we're receiving. And and here's what we've done. This is the worst part of it. We've turned the purpose of church from what it was. Whereas the purpose of church, remember ecclesia meant you were a citizen. And that citizenship was the gathering. You see? So what we've done is we've turned the gathering from a group of citizens training up and setting uh, the decrees of God and the will of God in the earth and growing up in Him. We've turned that into come into here and let me sell you. And it's cheapened what this was designed to be. And if you have that focus, we're not able to do what we're actually called to do. Here's the other side of it. If I'm going to sell, I want to give you the best sales approach that there is, right? So if I'm going to sell, I'm going to make sure that only the best speakers are up here. You see? When we take the sales approach versus the training approach, all of a sudden, everything changes. So I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is basically American church society, I'm telling you it's this way. Now, and that's, you know what? And that can be kind of hard on our flesh to say, wait a minute, because American church society is going this way and it's been going this way for a long time. And for me to tell you to go this way, it's like, in other words, you may come in here and there may be something going on and your flesh is like, I don't like that. I don't think I like the way they play that song. Where's the music? You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like how he turned the chairs. Like I like it when he was running around and jumping and hollering and screaming. And and, and this is not an everyday thing. It's just for today, and maybe some other days. But only you know. Guess what? The Lord's going to do it different. Every service should be different. Everyone should be different. And you know what? If we're selling, then we're going to have the best speakers up here all the time. But if we're training, then we're going to help train. And guess what? You're going to have some people standing up there that they've never done this before. Not not necessarily what I'm doing right here, but you're going to have people there giving testimonies that have never spoken before people before. You're going to have people leading in things, and guess what? They are going to make a mistake. Shock and awe. Go back to my wife. She's gasping back there in jest. They're going to make a mistake. And you know what? That's all right. That's okay. I hope you do. Because this is the place to make one. This is it. So, that's it. First of all, it's designed for believers. We can't forget that. We can't forget that the gathering is designed for believers. Number two, 
all the place members of that body should come. So, <coughs> excuse me, it says 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. In other words, everybody, who placed them, themselves in that church? Is it supposed to be you placing yourself in a church? No, it's supposed to be you being obedient to what God placed. There's a big difference in those things. They might sound similar, but there's a big difference. And then when God's placed you, then you don't need to be absent. You need to be placed. Psalms uh, 100 verse 4. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So that's what all should come uh, to where they're placed. All should come with thanksgiving and praise. I'm going to include in here, and I'm just going very quickly, uh, I'm going to include in here worship and giving as worship. Okay, Giving as worship is a part of what we should do. But here's how we enter. We enter with thanksgiving and praise. Do you realize that I should not have to, if I got all believers here, I should not have to sell you on why you should be in thanksgiving or why you should be praising God. Every week I should be having to hold you back. Wouldn't that be cool? And this comes from a lack of understanding of who God is and what he's doing. In other words, we should enter in. How many people want to enter the courts of God and the gates of God? How many know that you get around God, things change, right? Well, we start out with thanksgiving and praise. It's part of the reason why we have testimonies this morning is that people can start out thanking God right from the get-go. i got something to thank God about, right? And our job is to help lead you in these things. Part of the reason why we're here as leadership and as order. Alright, so next thing is, and this is huge. All should come with helping others on their mind. So let's look at Galatians 6.2. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Listen to it in the New Living. It says, share each other's burdens. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. When you come together, part of the whole reason, and remember when I said you come in and you're like, Jesus, help me, oh my gracious, I need help, right? That's, he's going to be there. That's not all of the reason to come. Matter of fact, if you make that the reason that you're coming, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of stuff. You're going to miss out on what he can give you. Because a big, huge, huge chunk of why we should be here is to be a blessing to other people. When I'm here and people see a crowd, that excites them. That They get excited. They're more ready to receive from Christ. Just you being here helps your neighbor receive from Christ. Here's the other part. We all play a part in this body, and our job is that you got something I need. You got testimonies I need to hear. You got testimony. I, most of my testimonies, and when I minister to other people, a lot of times it's stuff that God has just shown to me that day or that week, and a lot of times it comes from you. You know, like Roger's testimony, I can use that testimony. When you just go after God, when you just seek after Him, all of a sudden He is able to bless you. If you'll just be obedient and get in your place and do the things that God's asked you to do, man, He's got so many blessings lined up, treasures hidden for you that you don't even know about. 
Well, I can tell all kinds of people about that because of his testimony. There's people that I'm going to bless because he brought something. Had he not been here, not been a part, I wouldn't have it. It all adds. Now, you'll be able to tell that testimony to other people. You know, somebody will be down, and you'll be like, let me tell you what God did for somebody this week, just, just this week, right? You know, I got a couple of testimonies where we prayed, and um, there was, I, I, and okay, so there was, uh, I was just seeking the Lord on that, on what to tell you. There was a couple that we prayed about a couple years ago. I'll just put it this way. They're, they're um, pretty... Uh, important in society and they have a high status okay and uh, I asked to pray they said we me and my wife have not been able to have kids and we really want to have kids and so we prayed that was two years ago I ran into them again this week and uh, they said I'm happy to tell you we are now we are now uh, so many weeks pregnant right now and uh, so that's where and that's not the first time that's happened right we have a ministry that God's uh, been uh, putting on our hearts that I believe we're about to do. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you that, that we're looking at doing like a radio and an internet TV show, right? And just me and Nicole sitting down talking, interviewing some people, talking about the stuff. People can tune in to it. It'll be on local radio and everything. So we haven't even decided we wanted to do that yet, right? And here's the thing, uh, we'll talk about stuff and be able to interact with her personality and mine and I'll help open it up to a lot of different people. We hadn't even figured out if we're 100% supposed to do it yet. And guess what came through this week? All the paying for the radio programs already paid for. We hadn't even said yeah yet. We haven't. But see, that's the kind of stuff God wants to do. Remember last week, if you were here, I said testimonies are coming this week. Well, they came. They came. All right, so we're moving on here. Uh, all come with thanksgiving and praise. All come with helping others in mind. Look, we need to come in this door that I have something to bring to other people. I have something to bring. And let me, let me ask you this. Let's say today, because today we got a lot of the seats filled here in, in here. Let's say if, if these whole sections, ooh, look, swingy chair. They didn't show up today because it was uh, whatever was going on. The devil was attacking. All these sections didn't show up. Just this section. And then y'all were scattered throughout all these chairs. Yeah. How motivating was that? Yeah. Woohoo, right? It's not very motivating, is it? See, we all have, and, and so how easy would it be for you to receive from the Lord today? Would it be more, uh, would it be tougher with that number of people? Yeah, it would be. But when we get together and have momentum, and we all are listening to God, and we recognize even if we got stuff going on, there's people that need me, I'm a part of something. When we all get together, all of a sudden it makes it so much easier for us to hear from the Lord, pay attention to Him, receive from Him, and receive what I need to be strengthened to go and do what I need to do. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says this. It says, So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. You want to seek 
to edify or lift people up. This is a part of your job. Look, I need to do everything that I can so that my life is overflowing so that edifying other people, other believers in the church can happen. This is a heart that we as a general whole have not been bringing in. We've been coming in going, Daddy, give me something, give me something, instead of coming in saying, I got something to give, and simply because I'm a part of his body, walking in the door going, I got something to give. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. This means we need to be thinking about, how can I help Jeremy out this week? You know, How can I help him out? How can I help Jade out this week? What can I do that will lift her and Paul up in every way that they need it? See, I'm not the only one that needs to be thinking that. This says, when we, this is talking about all of us, not just pastors, when we, let us consider how to stimulate one another. You know, when, when uh, let's say, let's say when Adam starts thinking about, you know, how, how can I uh, bless Chris? How can I stimulate him? How can I, you know, maybe just being there, maybe just smiling and shaking his hand today might stimulate him to go do the things that God's called him to do. When each one of us start to think about the other one, and this is something that we need coming in the door. This is something we need to be thinking about and praying about all week long. How can I stimulate one another? Listen to this. Uh, let me read this slow and just grab every piece of it. Hebrews uh, 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, all the more, as you see the day drawing near, as time comes to a close here on earth before Jesus comes back, all the more I need to be thinking about other people. In other words, what he's saying is, this is an attitude I need to be bringing to the table every time we come together, and I need to be coming together every time I can to be strengthened. All right, so the next thing, <coughs> excuse me, is uh, that we all come to be trained and equipped for ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and here's why. This is the reason why the church is here. Not to win souls only. If we do and we will, that's great. But the purpose is to equip the saints, to equip you. You for what? For the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. In other words, when we come together, my job is to train and equip you to do that. It's, this is not the place for sales. This is the place for training, equipping, empowering, to impart to you spiritual giftings and empowerment so that you can go do what you're called to do. And then it says, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. To a mature man. See, if we're not being equipped and trained and going, we're not a mature man of Christ. And God told us we could have that. God told us this is the purpose for church. 
But see, if our focus is off on why we're here and what we're doing, we're never going to do that. The measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. It's a training and discipleship center, not a salvation center only. And then Acts 1.14, we need to all come intent on unity in Christ. It says these all, this is the very first church service basically, these all with one mind. In other words, I got one mind in this thing, let's get the will of God done. Let's have the will and the heart of Christ. Let's have the will and the heart of Christ and let's remember all these things that we are serving one another. That we have a part to play. I need to go. Let's go after and do whatever God wants us to do. I'm not here for me. I'm not here just for you. Uh, We're not here for this uh, group or that group. We are here with one purpose, Jesus. Growing in Him so that we can go in Him. Okay? Growing in Jesus so that we can go in Jesus. That's why, that's the church. So then, uh, you know, one of the things is, is kind of like this too, is as we get this, if you could imagine uh, me standing up here by myself and nobody was around me, nobody was a part of this team, and I tried to convince you of something and tell you something and talk to you, right? It would be very difficult for me sometimes to just do that by myself. How much more convincing would it be if all of you right at this moment were standing behind me supporting all with one mind going one direction? How much uh, stronger would that message be with you standing behind me? You see? We need to be in unity. So now here's some main ingredients for service. Uh, That's for the gathering. This is what should be in a service. This is what a service should look like. Thanksgiving and praise, I would say worship and worship and offering is included in that. Uh, Unity, prayer, fellowship, words of encouragement or edification, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, full participation. In other words, you're all a part. It's not just the Brian show. You're all a part of it. It's why we have testimonies, why we have different people doing different things. You will have things that will add to one another. Training, equipping, and impartation. And then there's also a godly order. And these are the scriptures, uh, Psalms 100, verse 4. We read it. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Acts 1, 14. They all came with one mind, unity. They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. There's the prayer element. Then Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, uh, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. So you see these things starting to repeat. This is why they were here. 1 Corinthians 14.26, this is a very important verse. Now tell me how many times you've seen this happen in a recent, a modern American church. When, what is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. In other words, when's the point that other people besides just the leadership played a part in the modern American church? It doesn't happen all the time. There's a few churches that still do it. 
But it doesn't happen very often. And you know what? Here's the thing. It's just like Roger's testimony. You got something that I need. You got something that your neighbor needs. And you might not say it every single time we come together. You might not share something every single time. Matter of fact, you probably won't. But there will be a day where the Holy Spirit moves on you and either that church is opening and is open to the leading of the Holy Spirit or not. And if they're open to it, now the Holy Spirit can actually get across the life that God has. Or not. Based off of what, how it's set up and what they believe. Here it says again in uh, 1 Corinthians 12.7 But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's not just the pastor's. Each one of you, if you'll accept it, has a gift of the Holy Spirit that God wants to use in you and through you. And it's for the common good. Not just for me, not just for you. It's for everybody that's sitting around you. And our job is to help train you in those things, grow you in those things, so that when somebody sitting next to you needs something, you know how to operate in it. You know how to bring it across. You know how to bring about the gift of miracles. You know how to bring about the gift of faith. You know how to bring about a prophecy. You know how to give your testimony and encourage somebody. And then, and then it happens right on that day when somebody needs something. You say it. Everybody may not respond to you, but then that person comes up to you after the service and goes, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. We hear those kinds of things all the time. And we want to hear them more. Because we want you to be even more of a part of what we're doing. Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 16. It continues on talking about every joint supplies to grow up uh, into all aspects into Christ. Not being deceived. Uh, every, the working of every individual part. And you know, some of these parts and some of these giftings you'll see, some of them you won't. It's like uh, today, there's the work and gifting of helps at work, uh, you know, with like Kristen and Sherman sitting back here helping us run video and sound. You know, that's the working of the gift of helps. You know, and maybe they're not right up in front, but they're helping edify everybody else here and everybody on, you know, internet land that might be watching this. Hey, internet land, nice to know you have a name. So, all right, and then the uh, last thing is godly order in 1 Corinthians 14, 37 through 40. It shows that it's not just running amok. In other words, it's not just everybody trying to talk at one time and everybody trying to be the show, their own show. No, 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 there's some order here, and I'm in charge of making sure that that godly order happens, and we flow right along with the Holy Spirit in each time we get together. All right, so now this is the last piece here. How does the church function? And this to me is exciting. When we get the church coming together like they should, the services looking like they should, now we start to see the function of the church. And if you want to go and see how it is without being all diluted, let's go back to the first one and see what they did. And so let's look real quick at Acts 1.14. And this is the first mention of the church coming together after Christ ascended. And it says this, These all with one mind, 
were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. They were all together in one place. All right? So in other words, were they sitting at home going, hey, I'm watching y'all on, on the internet. And, and sometimes, you know, people have to do that. But on a regular basis, even if you're sitting at home, you should start believing God that you have the ability to get there and be a part. Because otherwise, we're not doing what he's told us to do. We're not being obedient. And so we're, they had all come together in one place. And then in Acts 2, 41 and 43, uh, we know from those first two verses, they had come together, they're in unity, they're giving themselves to prayer. So then those who had received his word were baptized. So we're talking about believers, we're talking about the church. And that day there were added 3,000 souls. Now this was 3,000 souls, and where did this happen? It happened out in the street. It didn't happen in here. It started in here. But it happened out there. They were come together praying. The Holy Ghost came. It filled them with such a power and a boldness when they spilled out into the streets. Just going, you know, they couldn't help but it spilling out. They couldn't help but overflowing. And that day, 3,000 people came to Christ. Does that mean you're going to have that kind of day every time the church meets? No, it didn't. It wasn't happening even in the New Testament every single time. But it happened more often. <laughs> it happened more often. Why? Because they were doing it right. We want to do it right. So now there were 3,000 souls. Now they're the church. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they were teaching, they were growing now, they were continuing uh, in this building up of the work of the ministry, they were fellowshipping, this is a huge piece, and look, they were breaking bread together. You need the person sitting beside you in your life, not just on Sunday morning. We need to get to know each other and to fellowship with one another. That doesn't mean that you don't have other friends outside of the church. If you didn't do that, then you wouldn't be doing the other side of, of what church is supposed to do. We do, but we also need to have each other's back because we're such a strong family. So they were breaking bread and prayer. Everyone, and watch what was happening. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many, sign, many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, it, the apostles represented every believer. And let me just put it this way. There were big signs happening because they were doing it right. There were big signs happening because they were fulfilling the plan that Christ had give, given them. So then, uh, something happened. They got, uh, they got attacked and they got thrown in prison. They were going to try and kill them. And then one guy spoke up and said, look, if it's God and you kill him, you're coming against God. He said, but if it's not God, it'll go away. And so in Acts 5, verse 40 through 42, it says this. They took, they took that guy's advice and they basically called the apostles in. They flogged them or they beat them. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So what would happen today 
if we got all on fire for God and all of a sudden they came and arrested you, took you down to the jailhouse, they beat you up, you know, and then they were like, don't you ever go back to that church again. Don't you tell people about Jesus. You understand? What would your response be? Let's look at what their response was. Because their response was this, basically. <laughs> we know Jesus. How else are we going to act? You know why? Because Jesus was that real to them because they were doing it right. And their response was this. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing that they just took a beat down. I mean, really. Rejoicing. You got to get, you realize you got to be on top of some things in your heart and in your mind to take a beat down and still be rejoicing. You got to be somewhere. And they were somewhere because they were doing it right. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. They're like, praise God. For the name of Jesus, we just received this. What a great testimony. This is what's in their mind. Because they understood. It's not that we want a beating to come to you. That's not what Pastor Brian's saying today. I don't. But I do want us to get to the place where if we suffer hardships and trials, we are not discouraged by it. And then watch this. They were not discouraged. And here's another big point. They were not swayed from doing God's will and His purpose. And in verse 42, And every day, after they told them not to, every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They just kept on going. They couldn't stop them. They couldn't sway them. They couldn't discourage them because they had something real. They had something real. They were doing it right. They were doing church right. Adding to the church, the function of the church, it took place outside the church. In Acts 5.12 it says, At the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. I want you to know Solomon's porch was not the church building. They were, they were in one accord preaching and adding souls out there in the public. They were winning. They were going. They were coming together, being strengthened, trained, and released. And then they'd go out and signs would happen. And we know that in the first couple of chapters, it's the apostles. But just a few chapters later, by the time Acts 6 comes along, they say, man, we need somebody that will serve a table. And so they laid hands on them and, and they said, we need those table servers to be full of the Holy Ghost. And they laid hands on them and they served tables. Right? Well, just one chapter later, they're, they're seeing all kinds of the power of God in the table server. In, those were called deacons. In other words, this power started happening, not just in the apostles' hands, but in all the people. All right, The life of God started coming up. It took place outside the church because they were doing it right. They were doing church right. They were using what's in their hands and the power of God was being released in their hands because they were doing it right. And then this verse, Acts 5, verse 20. 
You know, there's a word in the Greek called rhema, and rhema simply means it's like, I would explain it like this, it's like a eureka moment. You got, ah, oh, I got it! You know, and you see a promise of God, and finally it comes clear to you, and you go, man, that's mine! It's like when you finally realize that healing is already done, you're not waiting on healing to happen. It says, by his stripes they were healed. You're like, whoa, what, were? Huh? Yeah, I'm healed. And you realize that all of a sudden you get a hold of it and now you're like, man, I can receive healing. He's already paid the price. And when that comes alive in you, that's called rhema. When it's alive to you, when, when you've seen it, when you, when you know what it is, when you understand it, when you get it. All right? And then there's the life of God. You know, in John 10.10 10 it says that he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And right before that he says, and the thief comes to st only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And the Amplified shows us what that really means in the Greek. It means so that life of God is full in me till it overflows out of me. We're talking about life in every area, protection, deliverance, health, finances, all of that stuff, that kind of life, all right? That word, that Greek word there is zoe, okay? So if you see somebody that's named Zoe, that's what their name means. It means overflowing life, abundant life of God. All right, so Act 5.20. They're in this place, and an angel comes to the church, and he says, "Here's I'm giving you a message. And here's the message, church. Here's the message to you. Here's your message today. Go, go, and stand. Speak to the people in the temple here. Don't get thrown by that. The temple was the public meeting place also. You had the Holy of Holies, but it also had courts where people would meet and talk and teach, okay? So go and speak to the people in public places. Go and speak this whole message of life. That word there, message, is rhema. That word there, life, is zoe. And so what it's saying is this. If you, when we come together and we do this thing right, you're going to see the life of God produced in you to the point where it becomes rhema to you, to the point where it becomes revelation, where all of a sudden you're like, man, Jesus has paid for me to have all of this. He's got this life for me that's overflowing in him. And, you're going, to, and then you're going to have revelation of it. And you're going to know it. And he says, go preach that to the world. In other words, you get it in here, you learn about it in here, but then you go and take it to the world. I remember uh, Paul and Jade, they came in, they were starting to realize and see some of these things, and this thing was coming to life in them. They're like, man, God, God has this for me? He's got these promises? Then all of a sudden, they invited Harley and Amanda. Harley and Amanda come. And they're like, Amen! Praise God. And now what we're seeing is as we do this and people start to see, look, God's got something beyond what you've been living. He's got something that goes beyond all those problems and trouble. Man, you've got problems and trouble. Jesus wants to solve it. He wants to bring this kind of life. It's awesome. And you go and tell them about that. But, but you can't know about it unless you're getting trained. That's what church looks like. But you can see how it works, and it works like that with each one of us. We need to do it right. Then they were doing good. 
But the world started coming against them, and the world will come against you too. You start preaching that kind of life. The world will come against you. And here's what we need. Acts 4.29. This is the New Testament church prayer. 29 through 31. I want to read it, and then I want us to pray it together, okay? But first hear it, and then let's pray and agree it for one another. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. Take note of them. I want you to see them, Lord. Grant that your bondservants grant us, help us, make us to do this, that we may speak your word with confidence. Well, what word is that? The same word that angel said. He said, you know, to proclaim this message, this, this revelation of this life in Christ. Grant us, help us so that we can speak this with boldness, with confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In other words, as we tell people about this wonderful life that Jesus has, the reality of it, Lord, you extend your hand. While we're telling them, you're touching them. And we're not talking about just a little, ooh, I feel better. We're talking about the power of God hitting them, all right? And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They went, they go, they went with boldness. And the church was multiplied daily. Not for the sake of growing boomerang. For the sake of growing the body of Christ. If boomerang grows, great. It will if we're doing this. But if boomerang grows, great. If it doesn't, fine. What we're after is that the body of Christ grows. What I'm after, since God sent you to this place, what I'm after is so that you grow. That you become everything that God has for you in this life. So let's pray this verse 29 and 30. Let's pray it together. Let's speak this and let's pray this for yourself right now. So let's just say it. And now, let's put those verses up and say it with me. Let's all just speak this and pray this with boldness right now. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. Let it be done to you and to me as it happened to them. God is not a respecter of persons. He will do those things. The life of God will extend. Well, somebody go get the kids real quick. They're going to come in here and we're going to honor the moms. And let me just finish by praying. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord, that your church is not powerless. Thank you, Lord, that your word is not without life. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us 
But thank you, Lord, that you have empowered us to be who you've called us to be. And we are filled with the fullness of the life of Christ. And we are growing in him, not to be left behind in anything. But we are growing in him. Lord, let our church be done right. Let it be done the way that you would have it done. Let us grow up in you in every piece, in every way. And let the world feel your glory that overflows us. Right now, uh, if you have anything, if you have a prayer need whatsoever, will you just raise your hand? You don't have to speak it. Just raise your hand if you have a prayer need and keep it up for a second. Anybody has any need whatsoever? And now, body of Christ, I want you to see somebody with a hand up and just put your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray for them. So get up and put your hand on the shoulder. Anybody, make sure everybody with their hand raised has somebody that's praying over them. Yes. Make sure that everybody, Lord, right now on these needs, we just ask that every need is met, Lord. As we shared your word and your life, Lord, we just prayed, grant that your power would be released. That you, as we tell them, you would 